your source for Big Ten Talk. It's off tackle Empire. Welcome to Off Tackle Empire, the renewed and reinstated and scheduled for kickoff podcast about all things Big Ten. Uh, Nebraska or no, that is what we're doing. Oh, Nebraska is very much involved. I, everything is normal. Nothing to see here. Nothing to be concerned about. Doesn't it? When they, I don't remember if they actually sent somebody out to it. No, it was Kevin Warren announced that the season was being being reinstated. Right? Didn't there, wasn't there a little bit of a bad guy Bob approach to that? Whereas everything is fine. Nothing to see here. The season is going to now continue according to this revised plan. So, again, it's been a couple weeks here. The, the announcement that the season was going to go forward with this adjusted eight-game schedule came out about a week ago. I wanted to let it sit for a minute. And you mean you wanted for Barry Alvarez to remember where he put the schedule? Well, right. There was that, too. which And that's one example of many that we're going to talk about in the first issue, the first aspect of Big Ten's return to play that we're going to address here, which is... How did we get to that decision? And boy, you could write a couple of textbooks for, I don't know if there are PR courses that you take. I mean, I know there's human resources. I've never heard of public relations. I mean, I guess you call it a communications major or something. Essentially. But look, you we could, but yeah, you fully could. supported the reasons that the Big Ten canceled, and we don't think for a second that there's a, a, a political conspiracy involved in canceling the season or any of that shit, and we believe fully that the coronavirus is a real problem and that it can absolutely affect athletes. I mean, we know about, uh, oh my God, what's the Red Sox pitcher? He's done oh, for um, the season. Eduardo Rodriguez. Eduardo Rodriguez, yeah. Um, however, make no mistake, there was some really weird ways that the, the Big Ten did not do a good job of controlling the narrative. No, this. they handled this so badly. And we were talking about before that I don't understand how, in with the stakes being as high as they are, the Big Ten could have handled this from a PR perspective so badly. Either they don't have a PR firm dedicated on retainer for these situations, or they picked a really shitty one. I don't know which would be the worst option, but really, like, over the last few years... You've had various member institutions deal with utter calamity. The Larry Nasser issue, uh, the ongoing Robert Anderson issue at Michigan, the, the issue with Kirk Ferentz and his strength coach being a closet racist. I mean, like, there's been one thing after another scandal at this institution, scandal at that institution. Have the members not by now come to understand the value of having an appropriate PR response to whatever you do? Or is it, or is it still this ivory tower thing where they are so arrogant that they think our decisions are going to speak for themselves? There's no need for us to explain beyond that. And because we're invincible, which is true, there's no need for us. To, de- to descend to the level of the rabble and give them frequent explanations or even information about what's going on. Oh, we- it, it absolutely is a lot of that. And we'll get to, uh, I guess, the Big Ten's attitude and some, and some uncomfortable truths later. But now I want to introduce our Winf- Tribe Brewster of the Week, which is Matahari, Bohemian Absinthe. Uh, it's a Tuesday night. Uh, much like playing college football in a pandemic. Uh, I don't know if this is a particularly good idea for me to be doing this. Uh, probably there's a lot of there's a lot of risk. Part of me's gonna enjoy it. Part of me's gonna realize oh, this, this is not really entirely okay. No, and and I my reaction is gonna be what it has been watching college football, which is, yes, I'm going to be here and observe, but I I, I am also going to have something of a degree of horror in the back of my mind the whole time. So, that's where we're coming from. We hope that you have something similar in your hand on whatever night, afternoon, or <laughs> morning. Why not? Uh, it is. That I don't bluff. Taking. No, he's got. It's a. Uh, it's a healthy. It's a healthy dollop that you've got over there. So. So let's what? revisit that. So, yeah, yeah. So I guess rapid reaction is uh, we. Th- I think that although the rapid testing uh, that they cited as a major reason was probably a factor that allowed them to establish a credible testing regime and say, no, we really are taking this seriously. I don't think that's the main reason that well, they... No, and we'll, before we get to that, though, let's kind of back it up a step. because Yeah, let's revisit the timeline of events. A lot here. of stuff happened, and because of the way time is working in 2020, it feels like this whole saga started in about 1981. So... We're going to go back, try to walk through this, through the most salient points, just, again, to to keep track of how it is that we got. You recall that as we went through the summer, 
there was not much communication from the conference on whether we were going to play or not. Um, we took, I mean, those of us who wanted to see football, I should maybe I should say those of you, um, took that silence as a good thing. Like, all right, the closer we get to this, they're they're going to go for it, right? And we started expressing the opinion over and over again, like, look, uh, even if they're going to try to play, we got to do something with the schedule here because right now the only information we have is the old 12-game schedule with non-conference-shaped holes in it, which for some teams meant not playing for the first three weeks of the season. For others meant playing two games and then two weeks off. For others meant one game and then three weeks off. It there had to be some kind of adjustment to the schedule and we didn't hear anything and I was like what the hell is going on here is this delay with releasing a schedule mean that they're just thinking about putting it off altogether nobody knew anything and that was the word that was the first sign that the big town was not going to handle this well is that they didn't say anything about anything because it got into august which was the month that big 10 games were supposed to start not conference games mind you but also actually yeah conference game indiana wisconsin or wisconsin indiana was supposed to no Indiana at Wisconsin yeah. was supposed to be the thirty first of August. So now we're in the month that the season is supposed to start, and still nothing. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the Big Ten drops a new schedule. Now this has the effect of not only you know getting people used to what to expect, but also mainly of confirming that yes, we're doing this. We are playing Big Ten football. And not only are we going to play Big Ten football, we we might be the first football game. Ohio State at Illinois was going to be the first uh, FBS college football game of the season. We're going to play. We're going to be the first power conference to do it. We will lead, and it will be legendary. And we've designed the schedule in such a way they were so proud of themselves. They told us the name of the little, of the scheduling matrix, basically of the Excel spreadsheet they used to put this thing together. Jenga 41. We're so proud. They made it sound like they invented a new isotope, which would be very like them, right? So <laughs> they come out with this schedule that purportedly has collapsibility built into it so that if they need to postpone, they can do it and it won't completely derail the season. All that comes out and this led to, I mean, cautious excitement maybe on our parts, but excitement. Yeah, right? Because like, well, yeah, maybe something's going to happen. You trust a lot of the Big Ten states were states that were doing well with COVID. Michigan in particular, Illinois had been doing well, Ohio had been doing passably, New Jersey had, of course, struggled early on, but at that point was doing well. Yeah. Um, so you had this optimism that, yeah, you know, not only will they do it, but the fact that they put out a schedule and said that we're going ahead, and then that we have this collapsibility built in in case of delays, uh, led you to think in light of, you know, a lot of the things that people like, uh, like people like Dabo said about, oh well, maybe we should get, maybe you know, we should have COVID parties and yeah, get everybody you know, sick ahead of time. That whole thing, you know, you didn't hear any any of that stuff going on. So you, you, I mean, I personally felt like, yeah, cautious optimism, but I guess. And then, uh, then I'll tell you what happened next. What I think actually precipitated the Big Ten canceling the Ivy League camp because who makes the actual final decision on whether we played or not? The presidents and chancellors of the Big Ten University. What do most of those presidents and chancellors like to think of themselves as? Public Ivies. We're every bit as good as those fuckers who don't, you know, who don't give scholarships and have the $40 billion endowments. That's going to be us one day, damn it. So I think that was the clinching factor in the president's decision not or to Or a play. private Midwestern Ivy-ish. Right. <laughs> but, but again, the point stands. Yes. Every bit with them as, as it does with anyone else. So I, in my mind, there's no there's no doubt that was the clinching factor in the president's decision not to play. But there was a cascade of events that precipitated it. There were some there were some games canceled, you know, many weeks out, and then you had North Carolina send their students home. Yeah, and Michigan State then Michigan went State full, also, yes. then went fully remote. Um, well, you had North Carolina send their students home like just a little bit after all of the tuition and room and board was due. Oh, plenty of them did. MSU did that too. A number of schools did that. I hope they get their brain suit out over that, by the way. Absolutely. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> uh, so that happened. And then, again, the schedule's released on August 11th. The following week, we get the cancellation notice. The, the thunderclouds gathered very quickly. Rumors started spreading like a day or two before they made the announcement that the Big Ten is, gonna, is looking at canceling fall sports. Also heard the same thing about the Pac-12. The MAC actually had canceled 
that Saturday, the Mac did it. I don't remember the exact sequence, but the Mountain West canceled. Well, well, Division Division Two, two, Division Division Three. Um, I don't think NAIA is playing either. Um, but large swaths of collegiate football fell in quick succession. Does the Bible not say that COVID is a hoax? <laughs> uh, it's probably in one of them Old Testament books that I only read when I want to come up with a rule to impose on people here 6,000 years later. So you get the cancellation announcement and it became apparent right away that the presidents and chancellors assumed they had their soldiers in line and they didn't especially their athletic directors and their head coaches. And you could tell in some cases, I mean, uh, you knew who the ones were that were not in line because they started chirping almost immediately. Frank, Day, Frost, all opened their mouths within the first day or two and said, we just want to know why. We just want an explanation to tell to our players. Um, And the thing is, like, on one hand, they're full of shit. The reason is there's this virus. But on the other hand, what that suggested to me and what they did, in fact, say that I think is credible is that the coaches received no additional guidance or communication. Yeah. (laughs) And that's the presidents didn't feel that they owed the athletic directors or the coaches any further guidance. I mean, which is insane and strange because we all all remember the line that the former Ohio State president, Gordon G, said when people were asking him if he was going to fire Trestle. He said, well, I hope he doesn't fire me. And obviously he's been gone from Ohio State for a while, but that sentiment has to be understood by every president, every high up administrator at at a football institution, which is that, yeah, your football coach doesn't technically have their hands on any levers of power, but you better believe they control whether you're going to be in that seat for that long or not they at least have a voice in it so well across the midwest the college the, the state college football coach is the highest paid public employee except for the occasion when there is a basketball coach who's higher paid but that's pretty rare um so yeah it, it was a massive oversight on the part of the chancellors and presidents to not make sure that they at least told their coaches what was going on i i, I bet there were probably a handful of, in, of instances when they just didn't tell the coach anything uh, and how you how you don't do that when selling this decision to your constituents, which is your students, your alumni, and your boosters, is going to be difficult even with the coach on your side. And if the coach is actively pulling against you and sowing the seeds of dissent, leading parent revolutions themselves, I know Ryan Day stirred that up. By the way, for but like, there's no doubt in my mind had to have been motivated by because they came together in a hurry. Um, yeah, all 25 of them. I it was. Still bizarre to me. So I find what I found particularly funny about the whole parent revolt thing was that right, first of all, those offices were empty. <laughs> the Big Ten had furloughed all their staff. There was nobody there. But what I really found truly interesting about that is that those parents and most of the people I would think who were supporting them, thinking, yeah, give them hell. Um, are these not the same people who chastise millennials and Zoomers as snowflakes, coddled participation trophy, you know, ruined by all these things? And yet, what do we have here if not the epitome of? helicopter parent. These guys are all in college. Why are you speaking for them? Why are the parents of college players a constituency that had any input here at all? I don't know. The mainstream media had no problem giving every single one of those dummies a microphone though. So anyway, that whole thing happens. Silence from Kevin Warren. Um, And Kevin Warren's role in this, I think, is something that's much commented upon. Because on the one hand, you have people who don't like the Big Ten's decision, who have a face they can put on it. This is the guy we yell at. This is the guy we have to convince. And um, how is it that he didn't force his son to quit football? <laughs> yeah, that's another thing, which is, again, his son's an adult, and he plays in a conference in operated by different people. So what do you want him to do? <laughs> call uh, you know, call Mike Leach and tell him I want you to hold my son off the field? Like, <laughs> I don't know. That was always a weird thing to me. But, but anyway, it gets quickly pointed out by a lot of very smart, oh, you don't understand anything people that actually... Warren's taking his marching orders from the presidents and chancellors. Okay, well, fair enough. He's playing the Roger Goodell role. Sure, and he is. Everybody hate me so that nobody knows who's actually making the decision. And he is, but it again became clear that despite having... I mean, again, remember, the NCAA tournament was killed. The rest of, you know, the NBA started canceling its games in March, six months ago. And so... He had all this time to figure out what you were going to do, what you are going to say in which situations. I mean, really... It's not like you're talking about a decision tree with 64 or 128 possible outcomes. You're either going to 
play football, postpone football, or cancel football. You have three possibilities. And it seemed as though they didn't know what they were going to do until they did it. And had not They've planned, this and had not planned for any of them. Of yeah. They've done all three. And it seemed like they didn't plan for any of them. So what I'm wondering is, what were you doing in the meantime? I feel like a <laughs> lot of people were just playing it cool, hoping that... Hoping that it would go away. Well, yeah. Well, you had to hope it would go away because if you had any hope that our federal government was going to handle this in any less that should have been the dis- worst that should have been way. dispelled by Easter. Yeah, that, that should have been should have been gone. Absolutely. That should have been baked into the stock price, so to speak. Yeah. And so But there was always the hope that it was going to go away because well, you remember that graph from the NCAA's uh I think it was no, no, no. no. It, it was it was either the NCAA or a conference in the NCAA showing coronavirus cases where we are now and then where we thought we would be right now. <laughs> that yeah. one. Huh. Those um, graphs always... It's a special, like a cognitive dissonance note, like the loudest, flattest, like, bang in my mind whenever I see that kind of thing. Like, we could have been... We could be sitting in stadiums. Like, Europe is almost back to that point. Asia is almost back to that point. We're nowhere close. Um well, we, both, we both uh, went in big time buying shares of Detroit City FC, which was forced to hold a public stock offering after they lost like 90% of their revenue. <laughs> and you, of course... Did you get the email asking you if you wanted to be an accredited investor? Uh, no. I did too. So apparently the or amount of money... I, the, you Check your email. Um, if you can prove to them that you meet a certain income income threshold, which neither of us do, um, you have there's a second round of buy-in they're doing now apparently, which concerned me a little bit, but whatever you got to raise. Um, well, so anyway. I would have I would have <laughs> definitely shorted City ahead of their lost stars if I had any idea what uh, was really going on with the consistent midfield. consistent with 2020. So anyhow, uh, well, it's just one what, of the things that's been frustrating is of course. It's 2020 America. Conspiracy theories are about everything and they're all over the place. However, they wouldn't have gained anywhere near as much steam had there not been internal dissent. Had there not been coaches and... I mean, the the players is one thing. You see the players react to things all the time. But the coaches coming up and saying, we don't know what's going on. The athletic director saying, we don't know what's going on. Yeah, Sandy well, Barber at suddenly, Penn State saying, I don't know if there was a vote. Like, yeah. that's a helpful thing to say. You yeah, then why? suddenly these conspiracy theories start to pop, start to gain steam among otherwise reasonable people in lack of an explanation of what's going on, which is why... That's abs- why conspiracy theories are popular as they are, by the way, especially in, in these uncertain times, because when there are things beyond your control that seem to be beyond anyone's control going on, you look for an explanation beyond the fact that the universe is a chaotic, sometimes cruel place. Because that's not very reassuring. No, what you want is the thought that somebody is in control and and that somebody is to blame. That there is somebody who, if only I could kick in their door and fight them myself, I could change these things about existence that I don't like. That's why people cling to conspiracy theories. Because Because the alternative is much more disheartening. That no, nobody is actually out to get you. Sometimes things just don't line up in your favor. Of course, the reason that they've become so much more commonplace in the U.S. lately is because people do not want to accept that the simple explanation is uh, stop shocking levels of greed and incompetence yeah. by everybody that has power in this country. But anyway, that's where, in my opinion, the Big Ten failed. I will not. I will not sit here and say that they that they oh they should never have bought into the Corona uh, hype and that oh man Corona Bros will never recover from this. However, we thought that they made the right decision, but they obviously had to know, given the amount of revenue they were losing anyway. I mean, it was a huge sacrifice that they made, theoretically, you know, yeah. on paper. Well, well, yeah, and you know, the other thing, despite the announcement that Big Ten football is now back on, I heard something the other day on the radio that MSU's president estimates they will come out, rev- they will break even now with the football season. Because there's no public ticket sales. Well, right, no, but what I mean is, like, they will not have a loss, despite the fact that there are no public ticket sales. So, yeah. that, for one thing, tells that tells me two things. First is, uh, you sure as hell don't need to charge hundreds of dollars per person per ticket to still make money. And what's going to happen to all the sports that schools took this excuse to axe? I haven't seen a single announcement about any of those being reinstated now that the football money is rolling back in. No. 
This is just another example of how in the business that is college sports, everything is just a line item. These schools have been looking for years for excuses to wipe out a few of those little red lines, things like swimming and diving, cross country, and they found the excuse to do it. And even though the big, you know, the, the large positive black item is now back on the ledger, they ain't going back and, and undoing the lines they put through those red items. They're leaving those out. This is an excuse to get rid of dead weight, and they took it. And it's disgusting, by the way, because again, those, those non-revenue sports put hundreds of kids through college who otherwise would not be able to go. Yeah, there's an awful lot that's really gross about all of this when you look at the surface. One of the things that I found a little bit heartening was uh, I saw a report that Ohio State was going to lose $60 million in football, in football ticket revenue this year. By comparison, Illinois was only losing about $16 million, so <laughs> so we played the up. long game. We were prepared for 2020. <laughs> you, all you were doing in being terrible for like the last decade was just was prepared was basically just 30 years eating a eating a weird it was like a weird preparation for hibernation like you weren't gaining mass so that you it was like it was like drinking a lot of antifreeze or something instead like this will make us immune to the cold that's coming and sure yeah at the time it made you weak and sick all the time but now that the cold is here actually you are slightly better off having drank several hundred gallons of antifreeze over the last several years. <laughs> playing so, chess while everyone else is playing football. So, Speaking of gross things, we now have to wrestle with this. We've been forced into this situation, and I know the Big Ten ball conferences doesn't want to have this discussion. Are we now at a point where we have no choice but to admit that college football has nothing to do with college anymore? Well, of course, but two things. One, we've been at that point for as long as I can remember, and two, why are the schools going to say that? They're not going to say that. Of course that. they're not going to say and that, nobody's but there's now. Them, so. Like, of course the veneer has all been the the veneer has been stripped off now. No, and that and the Big Ten was forced to strip that veneer off because they still have a lot of campus a lot of campuses where it's pretty much all distance learning. But I don't know if this is the case now, but Ingham County was under a quarantine order because of how bad things got at Michigan State with COVID. So yeah, the fact that you're still now planning on going forward with football, practicing, and it, you know that the the thought occurred to me at the time. Like, is the, in addition, I still think that the Ivy League thing is was the biggest thing but were they not also thinking in the back of their heads if we go down the road of we will take any steps we need to to protect our student athletes are you not now doing a little throwing a fresh coat of paint on the crumbling shed of student athlete amateurism yeah um, i think you might have been and so i i think that consideration was probably there too why exactly they reverse course on that i don't know now we know the reason they gave which is when they made the decision to cancel daily testing was really not available you would have a couple day turnaround um, and then over the course of the next month companies are able to come up with these things and now partnerships are available that allow you to test and get results the same day so that you can be confident before you play that yes even as of this morning we don't have any any cases so it's fun that football drove the uh, free market economy to create that solution while life and death didn't no well it's kind of like you know if you were to if you were to task the free market with making a mass producible powdered orange drink it would come up with a it would come up with all kinds of terrible variants but if instead of trying to do that you say let's send people into space oh we need to find some way to feed them then brother then you've got tang that's basically what we did here we were so determined to do the dumb, pointless thing of playing football that we came up with COVID tang in the form of daily testing. Because the only way to do that, to do the dumb, pointless thing, was to do this other secondary thing that actually has a lot of benefits. So yeah, by, by pursuing the stars, by sending people into space, by playing football in the face of a raging pandemic, um, we have now both tang and daily testing. Uh, yep, and uh, that's... Good luck reacting to that. That was the dumbest tangent I've ever gone on, I think. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. 
Priceline. Well, when you consider that the whole that the, the lockdown, the, the the initial quarantine and lockdown was basically led by the NBA. I mean, the NBA was the first. <laughs> yeah. The NBA raised the flag on coronavirus. Okay. How many lives did the NBA save by canceling their games when they did? I wonder. I mean, Ten, so tens of thousands probably, but we'll never know. For you sure want, yeah, you gotta wonder. Had the NBA not canceled the season, would other people have just gone forward too? I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. How many people would be dead? Because you know damn well that it wasn't until sports were canceled that the government was like, okay, we should probably say something about this. <laughs> this is People are wondering why they're... No, as the president himself has said, I was determined to play it down. So, all right, anyway, what's pit... Well, that's how we kind of got where we are. There's, there's so much to unpack here. I, well, here's, here's another thing. With the guidelines... Will this happen? Because the guidelines have been stringent. Let's You're skipping ahead and we're not we're not there yet. Okay. Before we get to that, we're gonna talk about so obviously in the wake of well a few beforehand, but mostly in the wake of the Big Ten's announcement that they were not playing, a number of players said, All right, well, I'm I'm out, I'm gonna prepare for the draft. Because at the time the thought was, well, there were plans going around about playing some kind of season in the spring, starting in like January or starting in March. And regardless of when it started, if any if any kind of college football season had started after the new year, those players were going to be at a huge disadvantage for, for preparing for the NFL draft. That was absolutely true. Um, so it was very understandable that we saw a whole bunch of stars and some lesser, <laughs> some not quite so stars, uh, players opt out. Um, some of those guys now have decided they want to opt back in, but there are NCAA hurdles now because a lot of them hired agents. So we'll run through, we're not going to go through every single name on every team, but again, we're talking about like a lot of the conference's highest powered, you know, big time guys who looked into opting out or ultimately did. Some of those guys are back in now. So we'll run through a few teams that I know had multiple guys. So I hope there are some teams that I don't think had anybody opt out. Um, the easiest one is Minnesota where Rashad Bateman, I think might've been the first guy who said he was opting out. Yeah. If not, then he was one of the first couple. Um, he has indicated he wants to return the school. As of earlier today, they are still determining how they can get him cleared. Actually, the very first Big Ten player I remember opting out was Illinois' Rayvon Bonner, who is almost certainly not going to be playing again because he opted out not for his NFL draft stock, but because of asthma. And yeah. I, I empathize with him. I also have asthma. And even though the this even though the CDC came out and said that actually no, they totally didn't mean to say that coronavirus can be spread aerially. Or at least not in America. It's like that in every other country, but not in America. Even though they clarified that it's not actually aerosolized, um, I'm st- I still can't afford to take that chance, and so I totally empathize with uh, with Bonner, and I'm surprised that there are not more asthmatics, given that there are a lot, actually a lot more asthmatics than you think that play uh, sports at a high level. I'm not one of them, but... Sure. But so to go back to Bateman, then, I mean, obviously the thing is, not only does he hire an agent, but it's apparently understood that he accepted what would be impermissible benefits if he was still a collegiate player. In terms a of pizza? Yeah, transfer, <laughs> transportation, housing, stuff like that, that agents very often forward guys before they get drafted when they don't have any money because these things cost money. And being a collegiate player, they haven't been able to make any for three years or four years. So, there has to, so the NCAA has to give him an approval to play. Normally in these situations, at the very least, they have to pay back what was received. Maybe that's possible. I mean, it, <laughs> I, I can't imagine a situation in which the NCAA really decides that now is the time to stick to the... But, you know, they haven't given blanket waivers for transfer eligibility. Well, I mean... You also remember the NCAA came, like, the NCAA didn't come down that hard on Baylor for the rape thing, but they came down on that one running back and they were like, hey, you're not allowed to not be homeless. These people aren't allowed to give you a place to sleep at night. That's impermissible. Yeah, so although we would think that Bateman and anybody else whose issue with getting reinstated is because of taking benefits from an agent after declaring, very understandably thinking there would not be a normal season or anything approaching a normal season. Just just hold, just put a pin in that because boy, the NCAA, there's really nothing that's beyond the pale for the NCAA is there. So Bateman is the big name um, there. Rondale Moore, Purdue, a big time dynamic player, also opted out. Has not said anything yet one way or another. I looked and I didn't find anything indicating that there's been any change in his status. Um, he's obviously a big-time talent, but you have to remember, 
His tape really is his freshman season and a couple games of his sophomore year. He was injured most of his sophomore season. If he doesn't play at all, he's, yeah, he's a great athlete, but our team's really going to be, well, I mean, he's got first round pick kind of talent, but our team's really going to take, are going to make that kind of investment on a guy who is really quite an unknown. I mean, it, the evidence that he understands the entire route tree, for example, is a little scanty on the film. That's all we're saying. So... He's very much up in the air. And that's one of those things where it's like, you know, you can be a great college player that will still struggle to adapt to the NFL, even if you have all the physical talents. Um, that's not on, to say that he shouldn't go get his money if he's he, got the opportunity. You know who, who he most reminds me of is Tavon Austin. Um, what are you going to do there? Uh, elsewhere in the West, um, Northwestern's Rayshon Slater indicated that he was opting out of his senior season. I don't the see... Myste- the most mysterious first-round projection... That I can remember. I guess it, you know, I guess there's some projection involved there, but he has been a solid starter for three years. And well, I mean, his arm length is apparently sufficient. Yeah, and honestly, that's what counts a lot of the time, but I haven't seen anything indicating he has changed his status. You know, again, there's still a month before we play. I, there's plenty of time for him to change his mind, but given that he was projected, projected in a lot of places as a mid first round pick, maybe he, maybe he considers staying out. Um, let me see. See, I don't believe anybody from Nebraska or Iowa. Nobody from Nebraska would dare. Right. So I, I don't think anybody from Nebraska or Iowa or Wisconsin opted out that I remember hearing about. We, I could be overlooking things again. It's a little hard to keep track of 14 teams sometimes. Yeah, especially um, since all of that stuff happened, oh man, nearly two months ago. Um, Over a month about, ago. Well, about a month ago. Yeah, some of that. I mean, the, most of the articles I'm seeing about Slater are from August 20th, 22nd, 26th, that kind of time frame. So um, looking elsewhere, Penn State had a couple of very high profile guys opt out. Pat Fryermuth, the tight end, has announced he is back in. Um, I don't see anything in what I've read up indicating that he's going to have NCAA issues, so maybe he didn't hire an agent or anything yet. Um, Firemuth at, at least intends to be back in. And then I, uh, I see an article. Here's the headline. Penn State is having a, and this is in single quotes, healthy dialogue with Micah Parsons about potentially opting back into the 2020 season. So I'm going to go first, and then I want you to tell me what you think a healthy dialogue looks like in this situation. For me, you can just Photoshop James Franklin's head onto John Cusack from Say Anything, uh, and he is now standing outside Parsons' apartment house wherever every night um, with the boombox over his head, basically just playing crowd noise from uh, Beaver Stadium. That's what I picture. What do you see in a healthy dialogue between James Franklin and Micah Parsons right now? Call me a cynic, but I think it's I think it might be about as healthy as the dialogues Jim Beheim has with players that want to leave early. Cool, cool. Um, so, it, look, Parsons has not announced anything about changing his status yet. I, I glanced at a CBS Sports mock draft earlier today, and they had him projected as going number two overall. Um, he's def- I mean, he is an incredible talent. There's no question about it. Boy, that's, that's way up there, especially considering there's going to be three quarterbacks again that you can see going in the top five top ten so well, when does Penn State play Ohio State because if that's early, early okay yeah that's early. early so I could probably see if, if they lose that game uh, Micah Parsons uh, uh, he's come down with a little bit of a, um, a, uh, a bruised uh, I don't know forehead tendon you got a bruised earlobe yeah for so the, he's out for the out season, for the season. Uh. Well, sure. So my point is nothing has really changed with Parsons' status. He's still out for the time being. Obviously, if Penn State gets him back, that transforms the nature of that game with Ohio State. Elsewhere, um, we'll talk Michigan State. They had a handful of guys opt out. Most notable of those is defensive end Jacob Panasuk. He has now in, uh, declared his intention to opt back in. Um, reserve linebacker Marcel Lewis also opted out. He is back in as well. Two other guys, Jordan Reed, who had started at three for three years at right tackle, said he was opting out. He has not said anything. And Justin Stevens, in other words, Reserve lineman um, opted out as well. He has not said anything either. He was gonna. I, he most likely was gonna redshirt. Um, up the road in Ann Arbor, a couple of interesting developments here in that you had some guys opt out, and then a couple more guys made their decisions after the Big Ten announced they were playing. Um, so the earlier opt outs they had: Ambry Thomas, cornerback. Uh, senior cornerstone of the defense this year. He opted out. He has not said anything, so he is still out. Um, 
Jalen Mayfield, the only returner from last year's offensive line, opted out. Apparently he was, according to ESPN, he was like Kuyper's number four offensive tackle. I'm gobstopped by that. He was pretty good last year as a redshirt freshman, but man, number four offense? I don't know about that. But anyway, um, he has now declared that he's opting back in. That is a huge gain for the Wolverines. Now they did. Now they only have to replace four starting offensive linemen. Um, Nico Collins, however... Had not said anything previously about opting out, but now he has declared that he is entering the draft and hiring an agent. Yeah, that kind of seems irreversible. Not, does, not like that it's not possible, but that it won't the, happen. The timing, yeah. It, it's, yeah. The timing suggests that that one... It suggests that his cam- he and his camp, whoever he's talking to about his decisions, looked at this schedule and the way the season is set up and said, now we're out. Um, which is weird. They still didn't take Ohio State off the damn thing. Hmm? They still didn't take Ohio State off the damn schedule. Nope. <laughs> Not playing. <laughs> Hard pass. Uh, elsewhere for Michigan, um, Christian I Turner. I won't do it, so quit asking. Christian Turner, a reserve running back, opted out. He did not update his status yet. Um... And then another thing that does not seem to be COVID-related at all is that Dylan McCaffrey um, opted out basically last week and is going to transfer. And then basically right around that time came the news that Michigan has declared Joe Milton as their starting quarterback. So that's not COVID-related in the slightest. It's a guy losing a job and going elsewhere. Um, So the question is, does Illinois go with, I mean, is Isaiah Williams developed enough in 2021 to warrant the starting job, or do they go with McCaffrey, um, who I think may have just, I mean, may have just more touch at this point than than Williams as a passer. You could make worse decisions than trying to get a former five-star. I mean, the the guy certainly doesn't lack physical ability. Man, they've used... the way they used him continues to be mystifying to me. Um, elsewhere, we would be remiss not to discuss Ohio State. Uh, they had two high-profile presumed first-round opt-outs in cornerback Sean Wade and offensive guard Wyatt Davis. Both of them have opted back in, but they both have the same obstacles that Rashad Bateman does in terms of, well, we have to get declared eligible again before we can play. Um, I'm racking my brain here and trying to think if I heard anything else, if I've omitted anybody. I probably have. I almost certainly have. Um, But look, I mean, consider, first of all, consider the list of names and almost the, well, not the team really because you'd be missing a lot of pieces, but the names of the potential first round draft picks in the Big Ten this year, really the only guy who didn't opt out was Justin Field. Is there another, I don't think there's another guy who was viewed that highly that was intending to ride this wave out and see what happened with a spring season or something. Man, there isn't a first-round projected meme quarterback this year. You know, like a Tanner Lee or a Clayton Thorson or a Mitch Leidner. Not that I recall seeing, no. Um, in fact, I think there were only three quarterbacks. Like, the thing I looked at today had Lawrence and Fields and then Trey Lance, the guy from um, North Dakota State. But other than that, I don't think there were any other quarterbacks on that list. Well, um, anyway. So now we'll look at the schedule itself and see what we think about that. Um, first Ohio State. Thing, well, sure. In terms of, yes, in, in terms of winning the conference, yes, I don't think that production has changed. I will note that at least in the East Division, Halloween could potentially be lit because now you have Michigan, Michigan State, and Ohio State, Penn State on the same day. Um, I was looking over the West Division side to see if there were reciprocal you know, interesting games, and that's so much. Um, Wisconsin-Nebraska could be kind of funny for a very different reason. Um, and as we alluded to this earlier, but it was it, it also kind of came out today that basically Barry Alvarez and Jim Phillips were in charge of putting together the new football season. Like, it sounds as though there was a reference made, I don't remember exactly by who, that Barry Alvarez basically did this schedule. So... When so, you look at here, remember, where did Barry Alvarez go to school, by the way? Wisconsin. No, he went to Nebraska. Oh, that's right. <laughs> and uh, that apparently has not has not lit the slightest ember of sympathy in his heart because Nebraska, let's look at that schedule. <laughs> First game in the horseshoe. Second game, hosting Wisconsin. <laughs> After that, you have to play Northwestern, which is like fighting a bag of hammers. Nobody, and then you and then you get Penn State. <laughs> nobody wanted to play football more than Nebraska. So do you, play do you football, still, they will. Do you still want to play? Uh, well, well exactly. Exactly. They wanted to play football the most. You're so now smoke, they're going to play the most football. You're going to smoke that entire you're gonna smoke carton. You're going to smoke the whole carton. Yeah, that's, why, that's how this is going. Man, that is so hilariously brutal. Uh, first four weeks of the season, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Northwestern, which is not as difficult, but still no fun, and then Penn State. And then from there, 
I mean, shit, it's still like Illinois and Purdue are probably their easiest games, their two division matchups. Um, but <laughs> I don't know, like DCOA Nebraska wins more than two games on this schedule. I mean, that's that's rough. Um, the, the fight for last place in the West is going to be interesting and it's probably going to depend a lot on, um, okay, if the, if if COVID goes away tomorrow, then yeah, it's probably going to depend a lot on who which of those teams jockeying for last gets hurt. But that leads me to something interesting, and the only thing about the year 2020 that I, besides the dog that we adopted and the dog that you adopted, that I hope continues for years to come, and that is. The championship week bonus game. Yes, sir. Every single team is playing on championship weekend. I can't wait to see again. Probably Nebraska claim a championship claim a championship title for winning their six versus six game. <laughs> yeah, well, how often have we gotten to the end of the season and desperately wanted to see the two worst teams go at it, but they couldn't because they were in opposite divisions. Every season, we want that every season. Yeah, but that's be- that's look, us because we're mean and spiteful. Well, about look that. though, last week. Okay, everybody on Twitter decided to be like, oh, Thursday night, it's Browns and Bengals. Oh, I was going to watch that game, but it's Browns and Bengals. And I'm like, I want to watch that game. Are it you was entertaining. It, it was extremely fun. fun. Yeah. It was two terrible teams that hate each other. Yeah, the, the game, look, the worst games are not games between bad teams. They're games between a good team and a bad team. Because they're over, it's over quickly. The the difference in them is obvious. All the flaws of the bad team are obvious. Well, the Cardinals and, you, and the Seahawks <laughs> were pretty good when they had that six to six tie. <laughs> yeah. You want to watch some more of that? You want to watch some more LSU nine Alabama six? No. Is that what you want? Hell no. Give me LSU McNeese. That's what I want to see. <laughs> I want to see some. I want to see some fireworks. I want to see something cool. Um, and that's what this could be. So I didn't tell you about this beforehand, but all right. Give me, first of all, your projection based on this schedule. Who's the conference championship game? Ohio State versus Wisconsin. Okay. What's the number two game? Penn State versus, uh, I guess, Minnesota. They have a favorable enough schedule. Okay. Number three? Michigan, Iowa, probably? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it had to be Michigan, Iowa. What about number four? Number four. Um, Indiana. That's You know what will be interesting? I don't think, right... A lot of Illinois fans are pretty high on their chances uh, right now because 2020 was supposed to be good, but it's weird now. It would be interesting if we got to play Indiana because I wanted to play Indiana. I wanted to see a real benchmark of what what we could do against another historically futile program that's actually done good things. Instead, we just get to confirm that we're less good than Ohio State. However, I think number four in the West is a little more likely to be someone else, but I, I guess I don't know. The last four in the West could be anyone. Yeah, I actually kind of think that's true with the bottom three in the East um, as well. Screw but, it, screw it. I'm feeling. Uh, yeah, I'm feeling. You, I, I, you must. You must make a call. Who is all right? Be? Who's number four? All right, Indiana, Illinois. Okay, let's do it. Number five. Number five. Let's say Purdue. Purdue and versus Michigan State. I agree, and honestly. It wouldn't surprise me if MSU crawls their way up to number four. I um, the more I think about it, they, they not so much for anything good MSU does, but because Indiana is sadness. True, and also again, it's it's total speculation about what MSU is going to look like in their first year. But they actually have more experience coming back than I initially reckoned. Now, not a ton of star power among that experience, and they lose experience at some very key key places. But I get, I certainly think I would still give them a decided edge over Maryland and Rutgers. So, the number six game then. You have Maryland and Rutgers on one side, Nebraska and Northwestern on the other. You're sliding Northwestern down to number six again. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm going to regret that. I know. You know what? Almost certainly. You know what? I'm going to go ahead and put Northwestern at number four. Northwestern Indiana is the 4-4 game. Okay. Because last year I thought Northwestern was going to be decent, and it turned out to be fun until the last game of the season. Um, so, okay. So and are you moving Illinois to five, or are you kicking them all the way down? Well, if we can't beat them in November, then, oh my God, December Northwestern will destroy us. <laughs> December 19th Northwestern? Instead of ruining my... Instead of ruining... My weekend after Thanksgiving, now they'll ruin my entire week of Christmas. So yeah, I guess slide Illinois to the sixth slot. 
And let's put Purdue <laughs> in that five spot. That means we get Nebraska in a matchup with their perpetual blood rival, Rutgers, for the 7-7 spot, huh? Hey, Illinois might be able to tie the series with Maryland if they can win that one at 1-1. You know, I keep thinking that eventually one of these new one of these coaches in the west whether it be brahm or frost or lovey has to break through into the upper crust but it's entirely possible that pj just took that the space that there was and now that base like the like and then like filled the basement with concrete i still like think that a, it's most likely to happen for brahm because he, he's been recruiting at at or above the level that Scott Frost, Nebraska is. Um, mm. Lovey Smith, even if we were to do that recruiting thing, um, even if we were to discount that, well, <laughs> we had a whole bunch of departures that weren't really COVID-related um, <laughs> leading up to this. Actually, the biggest one was Treshawn Smith, who was a transfer that was definitely from Louisville that was definitely going to start for us at safety. Now we have to move Tony Adams back to safety, we just learned today. I guess somebody flipped him in August for completely non-COVID-related reasons. What a bizarre time to lose a player to another <laughs> school in August of 2020. Somebody flipped this guy. Like, what the hell are we doing? So, and then of course we also lost Ricky Smalling um, and our sixth offensive lineman. So, yeah. The, in my opinion, the best part about 2020 is that the eligibility doesn't count, so we can maybe have the 2021 season that was supposed to be our 2020. That's going to be interesting. Well, I, I wonder how many guys are going to want to stay, how many schools are suddenly going to find themselves with 100 scholarship players and basically try to cream an entire senior class. Um, it's going to be so weird. How are we going to have any idea? Well, there's, there's obviously going to have to be some kind of deadline for people to decide if they're staying or not. But before that time comes, how are we ever going to be able to project next season? What is the solution that most helps Ohio State's pursuit of a national title? Because that is what the Big Ten will adopt. The solution, the solution that most helps them would be probably to kick all the seniors out. Because Ohio State hardly ever has seniors. All right. All the all guys who play leave for the draft. So there it is then. That's what they're going to do. No senior eligible, no post-senior yep, eligibility. They're going to go back on that frozen eligibility thing, basically, is what's going to happen. And Illinois will have nothing to show for the four years that they spent building up to 2020. <laughs> Hell yeah! Duh. Love when that happens. Um, but how likely do we think it is that all these games get played? Because we did have fairly stringent protocols that were announced, including yeah. a 21-day suspension for anyone that tests positive for COVID. 21-day suspension? That means after missing uh, two games, right, you get them back in time to get two practices in for another game. Sure. And so that's a that's a chaotic thing for an individual player, but of course No, I'm sorry, three games. But of course, the other thing is there are these team and population positivity rates. Um, data provided by these chief infection officers, the Big Ten's point person at each campus, will be direct will directly inform whether practice and competition are allowed to continue and it's based on a seven-day rolling average here are the rates by the way team positivity rate there's a green orange and red level red is five percent or above think about the that in the context of a of an average college football team which is usually somewhere between 100 and 120 players that's like eight dudes at the most if you have a large roster that's eight or nine guys getting COVID in the span of a week puts you in the red range and although again although this press release is not completely clear about that it seems to suggest that if you're over 5%, you can't play. And it's not clear for how long, but because the Big Ten canceled for a month and then allowed another month before they reset the schedule, what was the schedule built around, really? I'll put it this way. What's the last day of the schedule? December 19th. What happens the next day? College football playoff. Yeah. So, so this was always about getting Ohio State in the college football playoff. Yeah. And what happens if Ohio State misses two games because their COVID rate's too high? If they only play six games, they're not going to make the college football playoff are are they? Or, or, or are they? <laughs> there are still so many unknowns. We're the amazing thing is that it's 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 such a, <laughs> you know, it's literally one year. Is Ohio State going to suck shit next year? Yeah, well, they haven't been recruiting very well recently, so obviously the bottom's like, going to fall out when these guys leave. If everybody loses 
a year of eligibility. Are they going to suck shit next year? Are they going to go undefeated in the Big Ten and non-conference and then not and then get snubbed from the college football playoff because the Big Ten didn't send anybody last year? Is that really what's going to happen? Okay, the Pac-12 isn't a Power 5 conference. Went from a thing ESPN thought to official, official domestic policy of the United States recently. So uh, the Big Ten doesn't have to worry about that. No, because we still have swing states here. So. Exactly. Um, yeah, it's just, man. This brings us full circle to what we said at the beginning, which is, it. look, we, got, we have football on the schedule. There's ostensibly, theoretically, a way that they can do this kind of safely. It's hard not to be excited, not to be eager, not to be enthusiastic. But there's so much about this that doesn't make any sense. There's so much about this that could have been done better, that could have been done smarter. And they just didn't do it. And so because of it, it still feels like all of this is in jeopardy. And it didn't have to be. We could have done this so much better. Yeah, so how exactly are you feeling about this season? How do you view this season? Because... For me, it just seems like a series of like exhibition games, like a like a Maui Invitational, but with even fewer fans. Um, Kinda, yeah. Although, isn't it, is it the Maui Invitational? No, it's the Battle for Atlantis. It's gonna be played in like North Carolina now. Isn't no, it? not no, North Dakota. Oh shit! Is it? Damn, I yes. read that really wrong. Yeah. Um, boy, uh, how do I feel about this season? I really this season is. And it's hard not to not to fall into the inner trouble. 2020, man, and all the shitty memes that have spawned from that. But honestly, it is it is tinted in the same way everything else in 2020 is. 2020 is always going to be the year I had to postpone my wedding. 2020 is always going to be the year I basically floated in the void professionally for six months because everything with my job is so weird and slowed down now. Um, yeah, 2020 is going to be the year that I got a dog who is a complete sweetheart who smashes me in the nuts with her paws almost every day. Um, there's, there's, uh, it's, there's nothing is entirely good or bad in this year. Well, I take that back. Plenty of things are entirely bad. Um, nothing about this year is normal. I mean, really, like, what's the closest analog to this? This is going to be a season that's talked about the same way people talk about, like, the World War II seasons, except that we're in mod the modern age with it. Like, even if World War II hadn't happened, they still weren't throwing the ball and black guys couldn't play. Like, that was still a completely different, non-valid era of football. Who cares about it? This is going to be... I can't imagine how many books are going to be written about this season. And some of them might actually be readable, unlike the typical football books. And the other thing is, for me, like... What I was so excited, what I get excited about every year is, man, you know, even when I'm watching the games, I mean, I, I just get excited about the, about the usually one to two, sometimes three games that I get to go to every year. I get excited to go back to campus, be in the stands, and yell my, yell my head off for my hapless team until midway through the first quarter when they're down by several scores. But now I don't, I don't have that. I'm not going to get to do homecoming. Um... You know, the, the I don't know if there's going to be marching bands. Uh, there's not. Gonna I be can't any, imagine. They're blowing yeah. air. At, no, it, of course I don't think. You so. know, I can't the, imagine. The, the college game day is not going to have people there. So you know, if all I cared about with college football was just watching the quality of the product on the field, you'd be satisfied by the NFL if that was the case. So yeah, I, I wouldn't be a fucking <laughs> Illinois fan. That's for goddamn sure. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that's that's another thing that you get into the, to with this, which is that this return of college football is for the professional fan, the fan of the professional college team. It's not for people like you and me. Because, yeah. again, to us, we want our teams to win, but if they lose, it doesn't mean that the experience wasn't worth it. You know, it doesn't mean... It, I cried when we got bowl eligible last year. <laughs> this season is not for me. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing. The Big Ten is back! Big Ten football is back! Back! Is it really? Is it? Is it really? Your source for Big Ten Talk, it's off tackle, Empire!